tamatū, tama ora, tama noho, tama matikai. The working person flourishes, the idle one suffers hunger pains. Inaiwe no mai hoki mai ki tēnei hōtaka a te ahi kā. Ko Maraia Rakaraku tēnei e whakapaho atu nei ki a koutou. I'm Maraia Rakaraku and this is Te Ahi Kā on Radio New Zealand National. Every year Porangahau in the Hawke's Bay hosts a tournament, a golf tournament as a fundraiser for the local marae. Reihana Shasha, its coordinator, is coming up before justing talks with Te Puriti Tipine and Morihu Smith. Yeah, well, I don't play anymore. I used to be a golfer. <laughs> Mad golfer. <laughs> top all the golfer. Oh, top golfer, I hear. <laughs> yeah, I'm retired now. Oh, we both played. Yeah, we played golf. I used to love my golf. I used to love that course at Takapau. <laughs> Hitting all those trees, my good race. It's a good sport for any age group. That's the beauty of that yeah, sport. Any yeah. age group, and also it's a sport that you cannot blame anything or anyone else but yourself if you go wrong. <laughs> There's something that becomes glaringly apparent if you spend enough time in Northland around Te Taitokiro, and that's the wealth disparity between the west and the eastern sides of that part of the country. It was a comment I made to Waimamaku local Daniel Ambler to really make sense of how an everyday roading feature reflects that disparity. So we're coming up to the bridge here. Yeah. I tell you what, the Taitokero is just full of one-lane bridges there, Daniel. <laughs> I've probably crossed over. There seems like hundreds. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Now here we go, I... Waimamaku. It's because of that. Is it because of all the waterways? Not only that, I, I think it's, uh, myself, it's because we haven't got the incomes that other areas create. Like you go over to the east coast, you'll hardly find a one-way bridge. On this coast, most of them are one-way. Daniel Ambler takes us on a tour of his community, Waimamaku. Koira na kōrero e heke mai nei. That's just part of what's coming up in tonight's edition of Te Ahi Kā. Te Ahi Kā, Radio New Zealand National. Our first guest, Norm Hecke, has featured in Te Ahi Kā before. He's one of the country's top museum photographers, and last year, at Pātaka Museum in Porirua, his exhibition, OMG, Māori Gods in the 21st Century, exhibited. You can listen to that again, and in fact any previous programmes, at our website, radionz.co.nz, forward slash Te Ahi Kā. More recently, though, Justin caught up with him at Nahoefa or Paparārangi Marae, Wellington, where he was demonstrating his latest love, Taonga Puoro, traditional Māori instruments. Mm-hmm. 
Julie uh, Noa and Norm uh, Hickey just finished a, a presentation basically of Taonga Puro, and you heard some of those sounds. Kia ora, Norm. Kia ora. How long have you been playing Taonga Puro? Uh, Taonga Puro, I've been playing for probably, hmm, well, my first piece I made was with Rangi Kippa, and that was about six years ago, six, seven years ago. Might have been ten years ago. Hmm. Do you name your Taonga Puro? I do, yep. This one is... Uh, uh, is this the Pūtātara? It's my Pūkaya. It's a oh, Pūkaya. My Pūkaya is... You know, they've, both, they've all got names, and the names have gone completely out of my head now <laughs> with the microphone. <laughs> I've just heard that, you know, yeah. Taonga Puro artists tend to name them. Yeah, they all have got names. And, um, yeah, this is um, Tani Farua. Tani Farua? This is Tani Farua, this one. As you can see, they... <laughs> oh, yes. It's a double... Double one, oh, hence the rua. Yeah. And the, the instruments in front of us, just name some of them, please. Well, we, we have here a, a neru, and this can be played with the nose as well as the mouth. So this is a neru. Um, we've got the kawawo, and this kawawo here has been made by Brian Flinhoff, and it's actually um, out of our albatross uh, leg bone. This is uh, a different shapes of puturano. This is a Puturano made by James Webster. It's a beautiful piece. And, they, and then you have the same, but it's a double Puturano with different sounds. Right here you have a Putatara. Putatara, That's a Putatara, and that's the one that's very common that you see a lot around everywhere. And this goes, you have this in the islands, and I even saw one of these on TV the other day that was up in, um, in Tibet. It didn't have that part, but they'll play in the shell. How play? This is my invention. Invention is called the puheke. Puheke. <laughs> yeah, it's a puheke. It's, it's just a, a seashell. It's a seashell, similar to that. And I've just put a, a bone on the end, so it gives a lovely pea. Primo. Another pukaya, a different shape pukaya, different sound. It's shorter and smaller, but it's louder than this one. Yeah. And Timu Timu, that's the Timu Timu, the sexual the stones. Timu Timu. Timu Timu. Puharakeke, and it's a shell, and uh, it's a kaitiaki of Napui and um, taupore. So it's a really, and it's a kawawa, another different shape kawawa. So different shapes of all of them. Mm. So did, are you going to think about releasing a, an album? <laughs> Not me, no. I, I like to enhance them with my uh, movies. Yes. Soundtracks. Soundtracks. So that's where I'd like to see them used. But um, no, as far as performance and everything, it's very shy. This is the first time I've been out in public, really, for a performance like this. We're normally playing with our groups and enhancing porphyry and everything like that. Kia ora, Justine, with the very talented Norm Hickey. We've posted up a few links about Norm and his mahi. Head to radionz.co.nz forward slash teahika. And while there, you can click through to a photo gallery, subscribe to our weekly newsletter, and join our Facebook page. Go on, do it!
You're listening to the sound of Tiaheka with Justine Murray and Mariah Rakuraku. It's your boy Taina. Daniel Ambler has lived in Waimamaku all his life, and there is nowhere else he would rather be. The farmer and Anglican minister brought up his whānau in the valley and is actively involved in iwi and hapu affairs. I met him in April this year when he took me on a tour of landmarks of Waimamaku Valley. Daniel Ambler, what ever happened to those Wakatu Papaku? Where are they? They're still in the museums. Are these museums scattered throughout the country? Yeah, yeah. So is Te Rorua Iwi working to have them repatriated? My own feeling is we lost the land. At the same time, we lost our tonga. And if it was, if it was justice seen to be done in our world today it would look right and be right if they came back together Was it not something that was worked out as part of the treaty settlement? Because the land was in private ownership An act was passed through Parliament which protected the land for the owners as such. But for us, we can't lose ownership of those Tonga or our land where our people are buried. Because we have a greater connection than ownership. Our saying is that Waimamaku is the place. Waimamaku is the awa. Our mountains, we name them our Burial places, we name them, but we never ever say we own them because we belong to them. And this is the place we belong to, not the place that we own. And if we could only feel here, and see these places as belonging, us belonging to them, it has greater significance than ownership. We come past these places up here that have our caves. We've just come across a bridge, concrete bridge, that has the name of Ratahi. And on our left here, that's the pa of Ratahi. Does Ratahi still exist? The Down here, the, the, the flats and that? Yes. That follow the river down to the bridge. That's the name of the place, Ratahi. Which links up 
to Maruapur, another part, which we will see as we pass by up here. Those two parts relate to our people. And I never say which people, I say our people. Then you don't leave out anyone. anyone. Yeah. Mm. As we go towards the village of Waimamaku, we start climbing a slight rise. And as we turn the corner here, we come to a ridge there with trees on. That's a par of Maruapo. Maruapo. Yeah, but it actually starts from where it links up with Ratahi. Oh, look, this is it here. Road. Yep. Is it named after one of you? Uh, your after my grandfather. Yeah. But that's a part there of Maruapo. Now, the other day you mentioned that if you stand at one of the pa, yeah, you can say well, this mountain is yours, but if you stand where we were in your dining room, yeah. it's a different maunga. Yeah, yeah. If you're, if, if you're standing at the marae, it's kaiatapitu. If you're standing anywhere in the valley here, Piwakoka. It's a significant point or mountain for the area. So we're coming up to the bridge here. Yeah. I tell you what, the Taitokiro is just full of one lane bridges there, Daniel. <laughs> I've probably crossed over, there seems like hundreds. Yeah, you're right. Oh, here we go. But it's because of that. Is it because of all the waterways? Not only that, I, I think it's, uh, myself, it's because we haven't got the incomes that other areas create. Like you go over to the east coast, you'll hardly find a one-way bridge. On this coast, most of them are one way. The two way bridges are fairly new. But, I mean, that's not necessarily a, an income thing for a community. Isn't that a district council responsibility? It, it, it is. So, yeah. I mean, but people still pay rates on this side of Titokiro. Yeah. That, the point I'm trying to make is that on the other coast there are more tourists more people use that road than this one and a part of the breakdown has been the forest has usually been a a metal road it hasn't been a sealed road 
and we're sitting now in Waimamaku, which had the only factory, cheese factory in the north. Wow, and where's that? Just there, where the cafe is. That was the cheese factory? That's that was the like... cheese factory, the cafe, just behind there. You can see behind us. And there are four squares at nearly every village that yep. I've been through that, while I've been up here. Those are the remnants of the <laughs> the cooperative stores that were here at that time, all run under the cheese factory, part and parcel of the of our village at that time. So this looks like a pretty picturesque little village here. We've got the Waimamaku Hall yep. that was established in 1906. Yep. There's a Bowser just up the road. That's right. Oh, the Hukianga Health Enterprise Clinic. Yeah. I bet this saw some shindings in its day, <laughs> eh? <laughs> These little village halls, uh, in our time, Every most weekends were either dances or pictures. Yeah. Fun. Everyone yeah, all fun. On their horses, yeah. coming yeah. down, yeah. tethering up yeah. and going into the hall. Yeah. And would they have been one of the only ways that Māori and Pākehā were mixing together? Ma here in this district here, Māori and pa Pākehā, have lived together like brothers and sisters the whole time. Mm. It, it, we we got to be thankful for the lives we've had. And, and, yeah, what's here today has been here all my life. Hmm. So whereabouts were you brought on? Where we stopped on the road, just back by the cemetery. That's where I was brought up by Tetaraide. Yeah. And you've never been tempted to leave Waimamaki? It's too good to leave. <laughs> Uh, that's everything's here. <laughs> uh, we we want for nothing. Yeah, we want for nothing. There are schools here, Daniel. There's schools, but we've amalgamated the school. It's same thing has happened to the factories. Amalgamation isn't always good. And it's actually got rid of job opportunities, just like the roadworks. The roadworks um, really, they're all put up out to tender. And before there was easily two bus loads that went through to the Waipoa uh, to take the workers through 
to work in the forest. So what there was eight, is... yeah, eight or ten that worked in the cheese factory. And on the road, there would have been about the same number. And, and through amalgamation and yet tendering for roadworks and that, the job opportunities aren't here. They just shrank. Yeah. So it was possible to actually live within the community, yeah. participate within it, yeah. because you were working nearby. There was work here. And so that yeah. also means that the income was being circulated around, right. the, yeah. around the community where, I guess now, families have to move out. Yep. They, they've had to go away to seek work to live. Which has its effect of um, lessening uh, connections to the community. Those that left 30, 40 years ago are now returning. But it's no longer young people that are coming back. It's the old people, retired people coming back into the valley. And seeking what they left behind. Reconnecting with the land, the beach, those things around, just the environment as such. It's a dreamland. <laughs> You're a good little ambassador there, Daniel. <laughs> You're a great ambassador, making me want to move here. <laughs> oh, look, there's a sign back there on a um, shop that says Na Bush. <laughs> That's a local boy. Yeah. Na Bush. Now, what is this huge building over here? That Quarry was, Supplies. Yeah. That, that was a training centre set up by the local people. Why are you saying was... It, it's no longer a training centre. There's a business in there now. Um, okay, Taita Road. Local contractor. Yeah. Solitaire Historic Homestay. Oh, you can stay here. Yeah. Oh, this is a beautiful stone bridge. Does it ever flood here? Yeah, yeah. That bridge was washed away. And see, you can see up there. We're looking that, out towards the that's, we're, Yeah, we're looking at Kaharo up there. And here is the boundary of Kaharo. And the name of that rock there, the formation of that rock, it's also a wahitapu. Yes. That is called Tamoho. Now, Daniel, you have these wahitapu, but I see that um, they're very present. So they're very, they're, they're close yeah. to people habitations. Yep. Wahitapu are areas that you don't necessarily use in a normal way. So you don't, you know, they're not necessarily places that you go to go hunting. Or you eat kai, kai no. from out no. of it. 
but this place here, this... Yeah, it's part of a farm. Yes. The bush that you can see can't be used for farming. The cave that held the kohiwi in, the entrance to it was dynamited so that it did for wind, right. so no one right. could tattoo around. Because there would still be kohiwi in there. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and still today, there's still kohiwi there. That farm is what we're trying to buy back at the present time. From a private landowner. Yeah, from a private landowner. And how are the? How's that going? We will buy it. Uh, we've made up our mind that we will buy it, and the landowner um, is willing to sell it to Tororo. She has offered it to Tororo. Hmm. And, and we're more than thankful for that opportunity to be privileged to try to return our land. Because there have been incidences in Te Taitokiro of uh, landowners yeah. handing it over, handing it over to an iwi, handing their whenua over. They're has been an offer, the person has offered to hand back our burial caves. There, it has not happened as yet, but he has offered, and it's well known around the district that he's offered to hand that back for nothing. Yeah, and it's about 150 to a couple of hundred acres. And if that happens, that's what should be happening to all wahitapu. However it may, may happen, whether the Crown buys it back and gives it back, but that's how it should be happening. Kia ora, Daniel Ambler no Te Rorua. Ngā mihi mahana ki aku, Daniel. I'm Maraia Rakuraku and you're listening to Te Ahi Ka. Now look, we received some amazing feedback from listeners last week regarding the story with Whitanaki couple Icy and John Bristow about their marriage and tomo. And just in case you're feeling compelled this week, the email is teahika, that's T-E-A-H-I-K-A-A, at radionz.co.nz. Or you can send a letter to Radio New Zealand, PO Box 123, Wellington. It's always good to hear from you. When you think of Māori sports, a few things come to mind. The Māori Sports Awards, Iron Māori, which by the way is gaining huge interest amongst our Māori community, that's coming up soon. When you hear certain names, you associate them with sports. Puri Wepu, Rugby, Jesse Ryder, Cricket, Storm Uru Rowing. And what comes to mind with Michael Campbell? Aye, golf. 
following that historic 2005 US Open win, it's fair to assume that the Ngāsirua Nui, Ngārauru sportsman, inspired a few Māori to take up the sport. But let's not forget, Māori golf has been part of the Māori sporting scene for some time, along with Māori tennis. The Māori Golfing Association continues to support golfing tournaments around the country, and some marae have even started hosting their own golf tournaments. Now, as a self-confessed hater of selling raffle tickets, sorry whanau, this seems like a fun and great way to fundraise for your marae. Leihana Shasha coordinates the Rongo Marairo Māori Golf Tournament in Pūrangahau, Hawke's Bay. I spoke with him earlier this week. I suppose if you ask me the question about the history, it starts a long way back, and it starts back when um, we had real good golfers, not Māori hackers now. We had the likes of our Tikuru buddy um, Fana, who was one of the best and played with some of the best. And then we had our Auntie Rhina, who became really a number one uh, Māori golfer around the countryside. She won uh, the Māori tournament a few times. But her name splattered over every bloody championship board around Hawke's Bay anyway. That's how good she was. And then the golf, the it was sport. Ngāti Kere was a sporting women institute, really. Rugby, hockey, netball. But golf was just another, you know, when life was easy. What's is Ngāti Kere your hapu? Ngāti Kere is our hapu, yeah. Um, Ngāti Pihere, Ngāti Kere... Um, Nati Manuhiri. We've combined ourselves to um, into Nati Kiri as the as the the main hapu that runs the affairs, but they run the affairs on behalf of the other hapu. Mm. But at the end of the day, our golf tournament was built out of just well, we'll just play sport, and then they played. The golf course was built on. Um, it was built on land, and there was there was this discussion about whose land it was. And then um, at the end of it all, the, they came together. We got a unique community. Our uncles in that house, they were real men. They knew how to work things out without having, without having too much of an argument. And they sat down with the local community, which were non-Moldy, and said to them, well... They wanted a golf course, and they wanted a decent one. The old golf course didn't suit the look and feel of the beach, you know. So they asked our elders, well, can we put our, our, our golf golf house on that hill? And they said, yeah, why not? And, they came, and this was all verbal. There was no contracts written or anything like that. And then, because they could the view which was on the beach and they could see that we had land down the bottom and they used those bottom holes as uh, for the bottom three holes so that was all on our whenua and then they made a trade with the land um, for the other parts of the golf course so we had they needed parts that were going to be put into sections and then they come to an agreement yeah that was good Community came together and built a pretty big um, golf course down there. It won a couple of awards, and um, it's there today. It's been revamped a few times because it looked good, but it didn't function well. 
So now uh, the golf course has actually been, you know, it's run by the community bloody um, golf association. And our tournament was put in the middle of it. And then, like we said, we had a bit of a bit of a radu about who should get what. And then the community, which were non-Māori, came back together and said, listen, you're right. We should be thinking about each other as a community. Um, the golf course was promised to use for a day, and we want to give it back to you um, for that day. And then they said, whatever you think, and our committee, the committee that we've got today, they go in there and utilise the golf club and invite people to use it for that day. And we have a bloody good, um, what do you call it, um, tournament. Um, because at the end of it all is is that we all live together. Um, the golf courses, um, they give us a day. Um, we pick the day, and it's advertised on the on the New Zealand calendar, golf calendar. So we get a bit more than the usual. Um, and when it's on the on the calendar in, in you know the New Zealand calendar, every golf course sees it on their calendars. Um, I think what makes our our tournament unique is that it's a long way from the beaten track and we get a lot of people come off their beaten track and they use us, some of them use us as a stopping, a stopover to their, they go on these little golf holidays and they use us as a stopover. We get a lot of um, non-Maldi that participate, you know, like, you know, a lot. So how many how many are we talking that, are, that um, come for the day? We usually get the the... We usually, the averages on a good day around about um, 90 to 110. Cool, that's a lot. Yeah, and they come from, most golf clubs, they come from, a lot of our whanau come from out of the district. They come from, you know, when we're 100 k's or so from um, Hastings, we get a really good lot from there. Live in, a lot of our whanau from live in, a lot of whanau from Wellington, they just come home. It's, it's it's a day, it's a day to come together. And that's, for us, that's what it's all about. But we, we, do the, we do the tournament, and it's actually, for the main reason, is the marae, and that's what attracts them. The marae needs, um, our marae's got bigger now, we've, got, we've done a DIY and the whole shebang, but it still needs to have funds to operate. And the more the merrier. So that's what we do it for. That's my contribution to, um, one of my contributions to the Marae, is to run the golf tournament, to make it successful, to put it into the Marae. Hey, Dayhana, this is better than selling meat raffles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's, 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 that happens. <laughs> that happens, but we've got, well, you know, the, the whole story is, is that if we're, built, if we're trying to make it, we have to be... Um, a bit more proactive on how we do it, you know, a barbecue, this, and and, and, and to to make it every cent count because it is for the marae. And isn't it also because what you're doing is attracting for, you're attracting outside interest because I come from a small community too and fundraising in small communities can be difficult because 
there's not much money there. Yeah. So um, when you're attracting uh, interest from outside, you're actually bringing in. You're, you're actually bringing, bringing in, in the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the old story is that it's money that you don't. The community's not. A, it's not an endless um, take off the community. It's, it just helps the community to um, just provide stuff, and that resource comes to them through the funds that people bring into the town. But it does. It, you know, we've got a lot of blooming vacant stuff out here, and people have come to our golf tournament and said, "Oh shit, that house looks like. I wonder how much that." And they bought it. You know, they bought the house. The people have done that because they want to come to a spot where they're right on the blooming beach, and you're you've got this. They call it a wilderness. I say it's not because I lived in a, in this wilderness when the road was dirt. But the part is, is that 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 attraction. That coming in and seeing that some people come and buy and they stay for a while and then oh, they say, okay, I'm going to go off to back to Wellington now. But we've got a lot of people from out of the district that actually have come into the district, looked at and said, this is a good place to just come and relax. No cell phones, nothing like that. And then Now, whereabouts is Porongahou? Uh It's on the east, on the east coast between... Uh, right on the, the sea between, you know where Hastings is? Aye. And Danny Burke, oh, no, where will we go down there to? Danny Burke's inland, but on that plain, about halfway down. But it's 105 kilometres from Hastings, which really isn't a long way. And how many people live there normally? Um, in the district, on the on the statistics, there's around about in the Pronghell area because we're talking about farmers. There's about 500 to 600 people. And how many of them would be Māori? I would say that at the end of the day, I would say you'd be lucky to have half, 50 percent. And they would generally fuck a papa back to the marae. Not all of them. Uh, most, oh, well, put it this way: um, the majority do. We've got a lot of um, we've got a lot of our whānau that from Hastings and all over the countryside. Rehana Shasha. Now, how about from a punter's point of view? Justine was in Porangahau a couple of months ago, where she caught up with some previous participants. All the trophies are given by the hapu members, family, various families, or the kai for that, food for that day is given uh, for the tournament. Now, it's not an intermarae one, but our whanaunga our from Takapo uh, or Pukehau, uh, not many from Waipa will come. But it, if you go come to that tournament, it's Napier, um, Hastings, Levin, Foxton... It's a, it's a well-known tournament wow. since it's been in existence since 1979. A lot of our locals go elsewhere too to play on that day. There, there are other tournaments. But we, we get a good a good response to that tournament for, yeah. for this marae. And what's the name of the tournament? Is there an actual official name? Tiruhuka Tutaki Stableford. Right. Or the Purangahau Marae um, Golf Tournament. Then it's in the car we go to visit the location of the golf club. 
Porangahau Golf operates within the Porangahau Country Club, a nine-hole course. Okay, so Morehu um, Smith was talking about the um, the golfers and just re referring to her whanaunga. I'm standing here, I suppose, with the legacy that's left from those uh, whanaunga that encouraged golf, and we're at the golf course. Oh, kia ora, everybody. Yeah, this is our uh, Prangahau golf course. And, Flash. Uh, I don't know whether you can see it or not, but straight out of, in front of us is uh, number one. Tee off from up the top of the hill here. And we've only got nine holes. At one stage they were thinking of doing 12 holes, but never got around to it. But this is a, a great asset to the district, is our Prangahau country club. Yeah. Hopefully I can take you in to see all the chicka chicka work we did at the marae and Charlie Barlow did the carvings just inside the door here. Mm. So it really is an asset to the district, this one. And they have all sorts of functions here, marriages and all these parties and whatnot. Mm. The golf club is, the property is Māori owned, or, or the, but they lease it. They left three holes, eh? Three, three holes. Um, they've charged in the past the, the fees, uh, green fees, but now they give it to us for nothing. And there's a relationship, there's as a, I yeah. said, within yeah. the community and that we maintain, and it's a good relationship with our our Pākehā counterparts. And, and just about every Māori family played golf. Mm. At some stage, I know for myself that I played hockey first and golf second. Well, you got a high swing, a low swing with the with oh. the hockey oh, stick, yeah. and a high swing with the <laughs> golf club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's a lovely sport, a great sport, it's a good sport. especially here playing here and and like I said, it's not an inter marae tournament. It's a, but many Māori do come. Oh, I do. Yes. Why? I'll hold off. Um, kia ora. The land that we see in front of us is leased the three holes, holes one, two and three of the nine-hole course of the Porangaho Golf Links is um, leased to the country club, Porangaho Country Club. Has been for some time. They look after it well. These trees that have been growing... Um, and will eventually be cut down um, for revenue. But inside the, the, the country club itself, um, there's two chuku-chuku panel, which were done by everyone in this community. And by everyone, I mean people like Lady Ormond, Judy Ormond, and others of that calibre, plus our own people. And on the left and right-hand side are two carvings, one of Rangi, the Sky Father, and Papa Tuanuku, uh, our Mother Earth. Um, the, the building was opened in 1974. Uh, prior to that, the work was all done voluntarily, led by a man called Don Mowat. Um... And we had people like Jim Lovett and, and Peter Wakefield and the Stoddard boys who, who did this work and finally um, put this building up designed by John Scott, a uh, renowned architect from Havelock North.
and where I'm standing in front of the Porangahau Golf Course, um, this is the Country Club, and it's quite a huge building. There, it can cater for birthdays, etc. And the Puriti just found the keys. Was there somebody here? And it's got a million dollar view to Porangahau Beach, so now we're going to go inside the uh, country club and just have a little hikui haere around. <gasps> yes, look at those tukutuku panels, beautiful. Charlie Barlow was, um, he lived in Tauranga. Charlie Barlow or Charlie Tutaki was his real name, and he did these two carvings that we have in front of us. Rangi on my left-hand side and Papatu Anuku on my left-hand side. Um, and I know that it's Papatu Anuku because of the child beneath it. But everybody had an input into this house. Um, we have a, a committee that runs it well. They, they um, always knock on your door for something. <laughs> but, but that's OK. Um, up, up in front of me is... Um, the longest place name again. Oh, yes, yes. And um, it was done by our local young men at the time. Uh, to our left, we have Te Pairahi Moana, which you can see sitting in the clubhouse. And as you go towards uh, the, uh, the end of hole one, um, you can see, the, still see the sea. It's Kia beautiful. Mm. I just have a little say about the tukutuku mahi that we did at our marae, little marae, little marae. Now, we had the, them actually lying long ways in the whare, and uh, we all did part of it, and we thought we knew which part we'd done until we stood them up down here. <laughs> and everyone contributed. All the Pākehās in Porangahau come to the marae to help. Yes. And um, everyone, everyone had did a little piece of that ticket to work. And everything on the ticket to go panels are pertaining to the Moana. Moana. Mm. Because it is what, I'm, I'm just guesstimating that it's yes. five, at least six, maybe five or six metres high. Yes. One yes. metre across maybe, so... Yes. That, that's yeah. it's huge undertaking the tukutuku panel. Yeah, well, we both of them were done at, at our marae. And every day we have people coming to put their little bit in. We had doctors from White Good Isle come in to do a wee bit. Mm. And it was a really great achievement for each and every one of us. And the local young people did the tamatakatangi carving up there. And as more of you see, the carving's behind me. Papatūnuki, and this one here was done by Charlie Tutaki, or Charlie Barlow, who yeah. lived in Tauranga. Mm. Kia ora. Yeah. Yes, that's a lovely building, isn't it? And this is where all the action happens on golf day. Yes, it is. <laughs> we used to have a, a bowling green here as well. <coughs> a bowling green? A bowling green, outside bowls. And unfortunately, the ones, people that were running it had passed on, and the younger people didn't pick up and carry it on, and it's been neglected. They were just there, so oh, it yeah. was beautiful. It really was. And uh, unfortunately, we haven't got bowlers here now. Young people are more into golf, mm, yeah. <laughs> rugby and other sports. Mm. Originally, this, this whare was supposed to be built further out, but it was unstable, the land that they were going to build oh, it on. because... Yes, because of the sand. Yeah, where we are, yeah. um, um, 
Kipuretsi. Where, how many metres are we away from the beach, would you reckon? Well, where that tree is, that's where yeah. it was going to about be. 200 yeah, about 200 metres? 200 metres, yeah. yeah. Closer to the, to the sea. And they brought it back, but it was unstable to build it out there. Mm. Yeah. And you two are in the tournament? Well, You're in the what? Well, I don't play anymore. I used to be a golfer. <laughs> Mad golfer. <laughs> Top golfer, oh, top golfer, I hear. <laughs> no, I'm retired now. Oh, we both played. Yeah, we both played golf. I used to love my golf. I used to love that course at <laughs> hitting all those trees. <laughs> my good race. It's a good sport for any age group. That's the beauty of that yeah, sport. Any yeah. age group, and also it's a sport that you cannot blame anything or anyone else but yourself if you go wrong. <laughs> you know, it's your own thing, hey, God, which is very good for the young ones. And uh, a lot of the young ones play now. Kia ora, Morehu Smith, Te Poreti Tipene, and our chauffeur, Makere Nipe Apatu Thorstenson. Kia ora, Wahinima. Now for a few pictures of the Porangaho Country Club that Rehana described, you can check out the webpage radioNZ.co.nz forward slash te ahi car. And you can also get details if you click into the links of how you can contact Rehana. Remember, the tournament is coming up on November the 17th. I'll see you there. Tama tu, tama ora, tama noho, tama matekai. The working person flourishes, the idle one suffers hunger pains. Kōku nei whakaaro, this whakatauki is about self-responsibility. You are responsible for yourself, so the working person flourishes, the idle one suffers hunger pains. If you don't take responsibility for things yourself, you will face the consequences of what that means. Justin returns next week, visiting a marae in Levin, Kawiu. And I suss out a performance that's literally about dogs. He mihi tēnā ki nā kai kōrero i tēnei wiki, atu i tērā, he mihi anō ki nā kai whakamahia i nā rorohiko. Hoki mai hei tērā rātapu, mai te whānau a te hei kā, kia tātou katoa, mauri ora.